but they deliberately continue sinning. Oh, it is to be a dreadful time when they come face to face with the real judge, the true judge of the living and the dead, the very Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome, my friends, to another time of um, studying and reflecting on the Word of God. I pray that we shall all be blessed. And so we are continuing with our study of the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, we've started the last chapter, uh, chapter 7, that, that contains the, the, the Sermon on the Mount. Today we are going to be reading from chapter 7 of Matthew. Uh, from verses 3 to 6. It's, um, well, I, I should say, it's quite um, interesting subject. Let us pray before we begin. Father, we call on your name this hour. It is a blessed time in your presence as we open your scriptures to read them my prayer is lord that your spirit may be present to open our eyes the eyes of our hearts that we may be able to understand what the lord is telling us and to quicken our hearts into actions that uh, would be um, blessed of the Lord, that would be God-honoring, that it will lead to a life, uh, lives transformed. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's read Matthew 7, 3 to 6. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred, do not throw your pals to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. Uh, as you can see, the words of Christ in this particular part of the scriptures is quite um, amazing. Um, well, and, and, and um, it is our privilege to, to try and understand what Jesus <laughs> means by a plank in the eye, sawdust in the eye, about pigs and dogs and pals and all this stuff. Um, let, let's, let's, go, uh, let's go into the Word. Now, last Sunday, our Lord Jesus was teaching us to not to judge, or we will ourselves be judged. We had occasion then to consider a couple reasons why we should not judge. And a part of our 
conclusion was that we should not judge because we are sinners ourselves and in need of forgiveness. And furthermore, we will also be judged. And we will also be judged unless we repent. So our message this morning, or our topic for our discussion is, judge, is, 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 is judge yourself before you judge others. Now, judging others according to Christ without judging ourselves is to be hypocrites very much like the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Now, last Wednesday, the 2nd of March, marked the beginning of the period which in Christian tradition is known as Lent, the Lenten period, uh, which comes just before Easter. So we are looking forward to Easter uh, in the course of this month. Now, Lent is a period of reflection, self-examination. It's a period of change, transformation, restoration, and growth in Christ Jesus. I don't think it is by coincidence that our study this morning has Jesus inviting us, that we have Jesus in our study this morning inviting us to actually reflect and judge ourselves. And we judge ourselves on the basis of the word of God. And having judged ourselves, we should be able to detect the sins in our lives and therefore to make a radical change in our relationship with God and with other people. Remember last Sunday we had said this over, overriding, theme, overriding theme here is human relationship. But is human relationship actually are based on relationship with God. So we need to reflect on the kind of life we live, the kind of people we are. We need to reflect and cross-examine ourselves and ask, am I living right? Is my way of living acceptable to my God? And so our topic then is, you have a plank in your eye. Um, in verses 3 to 5, the Lord Jesus gives us another reason why we should not judge. That is, you have a plank in your eye. And he says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? And pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. First, remove the plank in your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And so you can see, there is no room for any sin being overlooked, whether it is big or small. So we, shall, we need to deal with our own sin, however big or small, and then uh, we shall be able to see clearly in a spiritual sense, of course, and be able to, 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 to notice sin in other people, in, a, in, the, in the midst, in our own midst. According to Jesus, then, the reason why we should not judge is simple logic. 
as before, we are visually impaired by a plank in our eye and cannot see clearly enough to see a speck of dust, of sawdust in our brother's eye. Earlier, the Lord said that our eyes are the lamp of our body. We saw that in every physical movement, we need light to guide us. Um, even though we may be um, able to see normally, when you're in, in darkness, we, we, we do get a bit disoriented. And so we need light to be able to do our things. Now, the famous star of Bethlehem, for, for instance, guided the wise men on their way to where Jesus was born. But if our eyes, continues Jesus, are bad, our light becomes darkness and we cannot see clearly or we cannot see clearly, clearly at all. Now, this speck and this plank, what are they? What does Jesus mean by speck of sawdust in the eye and plank in the eye? He means sin, nothing more, nothing less. Jesus was addressing a largely uh, Jewish audience. And God, as we know, had adapted Israel to be his light in the world. But they had fallen into a state of moral and spiritual corruption and darkness. Prophet Isaiah described them as people having eyes and yet could not see. Jesus said, for judgment I have come into the world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Uh, John chapter 9, that 9. Jesus is talking about spiritual blindness and comparing it to physical blindness. The Jews had the law. This is the light that, um, that Jesus is, is uh, um, looking at. So the Jews had the law in which the coming of Jesus was predicted. Yet, when Jesus came preaching, when he began his public ministry, the Jews failed to recognize him. They refused, they wouldn't accept him. In fact, they rejected him, um, um, uh, climaxing in his uh, crucifixion, the reason why we celebrate Easter every year. Instead, they believed the corrupted teachings of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Jesus compared them to the blind leading other blind who end up in a ditch. All sin will be judged at the great judgment. But meanwhile, as, a, as God's community here on earth, we have an obligation to live righteous lives. As I mentioned, this period of Lent gives us a wonderful opportunity, my dear friends, to reflect on our lives, uh, to repent, to seek restoration in Christ, and also to recommit ourselves to right living.
then and only then are we able to detect sin that exists in our midst and to do something about it. What is Jesus' point? We should judge ourselves and each other as believers for the sake of righteousness. Only for the righteous, for the sake of righteousness. But if the one judging is himself guilty of sin, then he is a hypocrite and unfit to judge anything. Apostle Paul says, he who has been stealing must steal no longer. Of course, every other sin should be done away with, not just stealing. Apostle James urges believers to confess their sins to each other, which was actually the practice in Christian fellowships during my school days. Now, basically, if we are concerned with righteousness, we should ensure our own righteousness. It can't be otherwise. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, says our Lord, for they will be filled. Let's now come to verse 6. And um, I hope you have had time to think who are these dogs and pigs that Jesus is talking about? Now, the Jews considered dogs and pigs to be unclean, to be filthy. But Jesus is not talking about animals. He is actually talking about people. What kind of people are these that Jesus is calling dogs and pigs. The word dogs appears at least twice in the New Testament in reference to certain kind of people. And we'll go to these scriptures now quite quickly and, 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 and pray that uh, our Lord will give us a clear understanding of who are these dogs and also who are pigs. The first reference to dogs is made by Apostle Paul in his letter to the Philippian church where he warns, watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, the mutilators of the flesh. Philippians 3 chapter 2. Earlier in chapter 1, uh, you know, of, of, the, of, of Philippians, Paul refers to some believers who were preaching the gospel out of envy and selfish ambition and trying to discredit Paul while he was in prison. He wants the Philippian Christians not to be like them, but to imitate the character of Jesus Christ. And it is in this context that Paul says in, three, in chapter 3 to watch out for those dogs. Apparently, these false teachers were insisting on circumcision as a condition for salvation, which of course is contrary to the teachings of Christ and the Bible entirely. Um, but then the, the, the same thing had occurred in the, in the church at Corinth. And the same issue 
was considered by the council in Jerusalem in, 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 in the book of Acts, and they had written letters to the Gentile churches telling them, just believe in Christ Jesus, you are not obliged to follow Jewish culture. And so these people are dogs, according to Paul. They are within the church. They are preachers. Some of them could be ministers and leaders in, in, in the church, but they are teaching wrong doctrine. They are wild dogs and dangerous. Now, the second reference to dogs is in the book of Revelation, chapter 22, verse 15, where it is written, Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. In contrast, verse, chapter 2 of Revelation, verse 14 says, Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. These dogs then are, these particular dogs in the revision, are the hard-headed sinners who have heard the gospel probably many times. Probably many of them have been attending church and attending crusades, but have rejected Christ's offer of pardon. They have heard the gospel. They are familiar with his teachings. They are familiar with, the, with Christ's death and resurrection. And yet, they have refused to allow him to deal with their sins. They are unbelievers. From these scriptures, it seems to me that dogs and pigs are those who are presented with a gospel message and receive and receive it or respond to it in one of these two ways. Well, number one, they reject it outright. They give it absolutely no consideration whatsoever. They reject it and they also treat those who preach the gospel with contempt. Sometimes they use violence against the preachers. Paul had this experience in many places, including Philippi, of being treated with violence. These sinners are locked out of heaven, as we can see in Revelation 22, where the righteous are received through the open gates. Now, um, number two. The, the number two, the, these dogs and these pigs are the people that Paul calls enemies of the cross. Those who receive the gospel and believe in it, but continue to live a life of sin as if they were never saved in the first place. And actually, this is the, 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 the understanding of many people that these people actually, in the, in, in, when you look at it, never be, were, were not believers in the first place. But, um, but, 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 but let's continue. Surely, these must be the pigs who trample on the precious blood of Jesus 
that was shared for us all for our salvation. And so um, it is written in the book of Hebrews, which is a letter to the Jews, uh, Christians, uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 to 31. I'll quickly read this. Uh, it's written as follows. If, if we deliberately, mark the word deliberately, if we deliberately keep sinning, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think a man deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? Who has treated as unholy the blood of the covenant that sanctified him and who has insulted the spirit of grace? For we know him who said, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, and again, the Lord will judge his people. Verse 31, it is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Friends, I think we should, be, we should tremble as men and women who call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ, Christians, believers, holy people, we should tremble. We should tremble at these words. People who call themselves believers and yet their life, but their life is contradictory. It is in a direct, you know, opposition. It is the very opposite of what Christ teaches from the beginning to the end. Um, they have a rough time coming. Let us therefore not live in the false security of what many preachers are preaching, especially these days. Every little sin will be judged. My dear friends, this letter was addressed to Hebrew Christians who later renounced the faith and returned to Judaism. I consider it most relevant to us today for many Christians are known to have given up their faith and neither converted to other religions or they adapt them themselves to their tradition to their traditional religions we also do have men and women lead christian leaders pastors ministers and bishops heading churches who do not believe in some of the very important doctrines of our faith. They reject, for instance, the question of hell. They reject the all-important doctrines such as the virgin birth, the sinless life of Christ, his death and his resurrection, and many others. And they are not ashamed to even write books contesting these doctrines and rejecting them outright. 
there is a terrible judgment for those mislead others, my friends. Let us be warned this morning. Therefore, this message is to those who have received the knowledge of the truth and have believed in Jesus Christ. If such people then deliberately continue sinning, Christ's sacrifice is no longer of any benefit to them. For no sacrifice for sin is left, we just read here in Hebrews. So when we continue sinning in this way, without repentance, we trample the Son of God underfoot. We treat as unholy the blood of the covenant. We despise Christ's sacrifice for us, and we insult the Holy Spirit of grace. To do this is to renounce and to abandon our faith in Christ altogether. Now, verse 29 reserves the most dreadful, the most terrible punishment for people who reject Christ, who reject Christ in this manner. For Christ will judge his people and will separate two believers from false brothers, uh, false bro uh, believers. In verse 31 concludes, it is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So Christ then warns, do not throw pearls to such pigs. Jesus says, they will only trample the precious stones under their feet, then turn around and tear you into pieces. They have heard the gospel enough. That's my understanding. They have been taught many times, hundreds of times, thousands of times. It is not that they don't have the Bible. It is not that they know, they don't know what they are doing, but they deliberately continue sinning. Oh, it is to be a dreadful time when they come face to face with the real judge, the true judge of the living and the dead, the very Lord Jesus Christ. So how do we take this message then as believers today? Once again, let me remind us that Lent, this period of Lent before uh, Easter, is a wonderful time for us, believers in Jesus, to reflect on our lives, taking stock, taking stock and taking time to deal with the plank in our eye and also the sawdust in our eye. And th these are known sins. These are known sins which have blinded us such that we treat them as normal. Let us also take this time to think about those who have never heard the gospel message and are living in ignorance and darkness. For them, too, Jesus was crucified and they are entitled to the benefit of his death and his resurrection. Jesus is looking up to you and to me, my dear friends, to do and to complete the work that he left us to do. Now, I believe that the time is really short. We don't know when Christ may come, yet we know he's coming, and the message of the gospel is he's coming soon. And he's coming at an hour when we are not expecting him. Let us, for the sake of righteousness, let us seek for the sake of, let us, for the sake of Christ himself and his righteousness, rise up, my dear friends. Let us deal with the sins that hinder our prayers, our progress, and our growth to maturity in Christ Jesus. Let us invite the Holy Spirit to today to inspect us, to inspect us from inside, 
and turn us inside out that our sins may be dealt with appropriately. And so I, uh, in conclusion, I would like, I want to invite you to pray with me. David's prayer, um, as it occurs in uh, Psalms number 139, verses 23 and 4. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Amen. Praise the Lord.